Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda, and with me, I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good. Good to be on the show with you. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for joining. Um, it's a cold little day. Windy. After Yesterday was beautiful, yeah. which was Monday, and then today, Tuesdays. Just cold. Windy Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, garbage cans flying all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a typical spring windy day. Did you ever read or uh, uh, watch Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day? Ever? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. That was a an episode, and when I was growing up, it was on record. We had a record with a little read-along book, and there would be okay. a little, turn the page when you hear this sound, or, or whatever, you know, I don't know what the sound was, but. Okay. I remember that story very well because it was narrated in just such a way with the wind. And sure. like, so, I think. Well, like a day I, like I think I, was that like on like one of the movies or probably. I yeah, I don't. But it it was a windy day and then it turned into a flood. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. A lot of rain. I I do remember that watching that in the movie. It's the most impactful so. episode of Winnie the Pooh ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it is. Uh, it's Holy Week. It is. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Hard to believe. Uh, that Lent's almost over. And yeah. I mean, I get technically. Technically. Tomorrow, tomorrow is the last day, day of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, which also technically doesn't mean that you can stop your Lenten fast. I, get, I mean, I guess technically maybe it does, but then you, you can have like a triduum fast. Yeah. Is that right. it? Is that You're kind of like going into triduum. Like, yeah. you don't say like oh now we're gonna let down it's like if anything it ramps up yeah 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 and i mean i guess i guess on that like thursday like there that's not necessarily like a a fasting day but then friday is a fasting day friday is a fasting day saturday is a fasting day until the easter Mm -hmm. vigil yeah yeah so um do, do you have any like anything that that you'll like make ahead of time or that you like after the Easter vigil, you're like, okay, I'm going to uh, eat this thing or like celebrate in this specific way. No, no, not really. I've, I've never really done that because usually my goal is to just get through the weekend. Yeah. When I get to Easter Sunday after the last mass, I'm like, whoo, time for a nap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that, that, that's very this, fair. This year, my parents, my parents and my, my siblings are coming over. So I'll have to, postpone the nap a little bit so okay which is fine it'll be good yeah last year i made some sort of like when i was like a oreo dessert thing mm. and so i got you know got home at like because we did the like we live streamed the oh, yeah that's right easter vigil from st lawrence and then and i like did some of the readings and stuff and then when i got home at like 11 30 or something like that partied yeah had your had your oreo had, dessert yeah and then, yeah, and then i was like sugar high for like <laughs> An hour. I'm like, all right. Well, now I can't go to bed. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Before we kind of jump into uh, today's episode, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. Our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, as we are here in this week of Holy Week, we ask you to open our hearts and maybe receive many graces, many. Um, uh, many just awarenesses of, of how you want to speak to us, how you want to communicate yourself to us during these days. May we be attentive to uh, our 
participation in these days and and really give ourselves over to these celebrations of the Triduum of Easter, the Resurrection, and so forth. So we, we ask you, Lord, to bless our time today, bless all our parishioners as we make these days, these solemn days, uh, particularly dedicated to you. We ask this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thanks, Father. Um, yeah, so for Holy Week, uh, and we talked about this last week, but the the schedule is uh, on Thursday, there's a morning prayer at 8 a.m. at Holy Family. And then the Mass of the Lord's Supper is 7 p.m. at St. Lawrence. And then uh, Good Friday, there's also morning prayer at 8 a.m. And then a Good Friday service, uh, noon at St. Lawrence, and then 3 p.m. at Holy Family. And then uh, for Saturday, the Easter Vigil, 9 p.m. at Holy Family. And then, um, and then I guess, is the only other thing, there's a penance service tomorrow? Tomorrow after the, after the noon, mass noon Mass at St. Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, that's kind of the schedule for the week. And then, of course, Sunday Mass, Easter Masses are the same. So, 9 at Holy Family, 11 at St. Lawrence. Yeah. So... So yeah, it, I can't believe it's here. I you know. know, yeah, it's here, and we are in the midst of it. Yeah, yeah. Do Do you ever feel like it's hard to get out of a like the tr- transition from Lent to Easter is like a hard transition? Whether it's just like like mentally or like spiritually yeah. or something, but I think because for me as a priest, I I get to go to all the liturgies. Um, it's a good transition. You know, the Triduum really helps you kind of make that transition. I can't remember never not doing that, but I, I'm sure there was times, and I, I think that's a harder transition where you go from Palm Sunday one Sunday and the next Sunday is Easter. It's kind of like, whoa. You yeah, know, yeah. It, what happened? I mean, yes, we read the Passion on Palm Sunday, but it's, it, you know, it's a pretty quick transition if you if you don't take time to really pray through that. And, you know, so the Triduum, I think, is really meant to help us make that transition and not only build it up, but also to kind of give it some gravity. So gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I actually never, never really found out about that, but yeah, if you just go to the Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's like <laughs> Palm, Palm Sunday is kind of like the, the beginning to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then you show up like next Sunday and it's like, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is completed. Yeah. Uh, it is finished, it as is Jesus finished. would say. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I felt like maybe even growing up, um, going to maybe like one or two of the different like services, going to the Easter Vigil. I mean, I think the, I mean, the Easter Vigil, I mean, it brings you through like just, I, I think it's hard not to be like go through that. And then at the end, just be like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's kind of, it's kind of like, okay, like, yeah, that's. Let's uh, celebrate or do something, or I think let's eat candy. Eating an Oreo dessert is a great way yeah. to celebrate. <laughs> I mean, my last parish we used to do a resurrection party. I would love to do that here. Um, I don't think this is the year that we're gonna go yeah. all out on that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I think that's a great idea. To, like, this is worth celebrating. We got through this. Not only was it the longest mass ever, but we have something to celebrate now. So yeah. I like that idea, even if it's just everybody coming over and. Having a little something, you know, very simple. But 
Yeah, yeah. I've done that a couple times just like in college and other mm-hmm. things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a – yeah, it's good to – especially after 40 days of like fasting mm-hmm. to – like the church says, hey, celebrate today. And so like, okay, let's like let's celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so um great. Well, so for today's episode, our uh our topic is this question, which is why did Jesus have to die? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a question that a lot of people have. And like also I think is a very valid question. Yeah, definitely. You know, because I could see from somebody, or I mean, maybe from from someone who's like gone, you know, been Catholic most of their life and gone to mass. Mm-hmm. From really what you just hear in the scriptures is like Jesus shows up and and like the like even like John the Baptist just says, "Here's the, like the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world." Mm-hmm. And like he basically says, like right when he sees him, like he's gonna die. And then the whole time, just like he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially from like a reader that's not like when you're just reading the Bible. And you weren't there, like that would probably be a very different experience. Sure. But you just kind of know, like, oh, like the whole, like the story goes that he dies. Yeah. We kind of know how it yeah. plays out, so it's not a mystery. <clears throat> or so, yeah. I think I think you're right. Sometimes either we never ask the question, or we've always asked the question, but we've never gotten an answer, or we've never pursued it enough to say why. Yeah. It's, I wanted to know why. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so I guess maybe like somewhere to, or to, yeah, just to start the whole discussion was even to just ask the question, did he have to die? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, we think about God, he's able to do anything. So could he have arranged it so that he, Jesus did not have to die? Yes, in fact, he could have, right? Like the, God is free to decide how things are going to play out. It's not like he had to do what he did. He chose to do what he did. Um, and so the, the question is, why did he, is not did he have to die, but why did he choose to die, I think is probably when we frame the question more accurately, that's probably what we should be asking is, why did he choose to die? Um, there is the whole question of, you know, atonement, making atonement for our sins, you know, from Genesis, we see right away one of the penalties, as you mentioned before, is death. When we when we sin, we we die. That's that's the consequence. And so, somehow that had to be reversed. Somehow that had to be taken care of. This was God's method of taking care of that: is that He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. Um, so, it's the mechanism God used to save us. Could He have saved us other ways? Yes. You know, He He could have saved us without becoming man. He could have saved us without becoming man without dying or or something like that. I mean, he could have, there's any number of ways he could have saved us, right? But he chose to do this because, I mean, Aquinas would say it's the most fitting way. It's, it's basically, it's the best way. It's the way that shows both God's love the most and helps us receive that love the most and make sense of what it is. So it's God communicating himself to us. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's a good thing for us to reflect on, though, because why would God submit himself to this violent um, 
death? Why would why would the father ask this of the son? It seems a little cruel or a little like in a human sense we would never say to our son, you know, I think you need to die. This this seems like a good plan that you will die for the sins of your brother or your sister or myself or whatever, you know, like a, a human person would never if they love their son or their daughter, they wouldn't they wouldn't say, well, this seems like a good idea. Like but God is different. He's not He's not tied to this existence or whatever. So, I mean, he, his, he's looking at the end game. What, what are we gaining from this sacrifice? And, and what he sees is, I want people to know how much I love them. And I want people to understand how much I love them and to see how much I love them. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot more that could be said about that. But that's when it comes down to it. This is the way that God chose to do that, to communicate his love to us and um, to go through that brutal crucifixion and to suffer. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gruesome thing. But, you know, when you think about what, what it means that God was willing to do that for us, it's like, wow, that's a, it's a pretty powerful act of love. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And- I think it yeah it changes the like at least for me it changes my mindset because mm-hmm. you just kind of assume or if you don't really think about it you're like oh yeah this is what he had to do mm-hmm. but then it's like no he actually didn't have to do that um which yeah changes it a, a little bit because it makes it I mean not that it didn't already wasn't like a heavy like burden or anything but mm-hmm. it just makes it maybe more personal. Yeah. To us, all right, and I mean, I, I guess I'm not sure if you've heard this, but I've like heard it a number of times, like growing up, that's like, if like if you were the only person mm-hmm. and the only sinner, like Jesus still would have right. died for you, right? Right. It's hard to believe that sometimes. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, like, yeah. That's just a nice thing that we say as Christians. Or do we actually believe that? I mean, yeah, me, Lord, you're gonna die for me, just me. This is all you get. This one sinner right here, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Wow. It's like I'm not, I'm not worth that. Yeah, right. So, I mean, all of humanity. Okay, that, that seems like a, it's not a good mm-hmm. deal, but it's something, right? But one person, you would do this for one person. Like sometimes we have a hard time believing that. I think, and um, no, God, God loves us, each of us individually, uniquely, um, not just as a collective whole. I mean, He loves all of us, but. Sometimes we we don't value who we are, who God made us, and we have a hard time accepting that reality that of, of the the amazingness of God's love. So, yeah, yeah, and because I mean, when when it comes down to it, like that's that's why He did die, right? Which mm-hmm. is was love, mm-hmm. and and the fact that Him dying kind of paid the price of our sin mm-hmm. right so they're like you know i've heard it like talked about before that like when when humanity sinned is like you know before that the adam and eve but we're in the garden with god mm-hmm. we were walking around in the, in the same place yeah. but then when sin came into the world it's like there's like a chasm in be- between us and god and mm-hmm. so jesus you know, he bridged that gap, right? Right, and so, yeah, yeah. The P. 
people or I've, I've heard the analogy like and that's not really an analogy just a way of thinking about it, this idea of because God is infinite and he's God when we sin against God it's different than when we sin against each other when we sin against each other it's like I can make amends to some degree I can say I'm sorry I can do whatever when we sin against God we're, we're sinning against an infinite being so therefore our sin becomes infinite it's like if you sin if you do something against say the president of the United States versus a bum on the street like in in a real sense they're both wrong right but but it's a greater degradation or or evil to you know whether whether it was like to denigrate the office or attack the person or whatever like because of somebody's office sometimes there's there's a, there's a greater gravity to it. it you know they're they're both sinful but so because god is this infinite being he's god our sin against him we just we don't have the capacity to, we don't have the infinite ability to say oh i can make this up i can pay the debt the debt is greater than we can ever pay that's why we needed an infinite being to do it for us. Jesus became one of us. So in our humanity, he has the ability to work in humanity itself. It's kind of like, um, did you ever see The Matrix? When I was very young. Okay. And it's probably it's probably too old for people, so, no. or, so I won't bring that up. But basically, this idea of coming into humanity so that he can work within humanity, it's kind of like an inside job in a sense, mm-hmm. but also having the tool of his divinity to bridge the infinite gap or the the you know the huge debt that we had racked up as humanity so um jesus is the only one who can do that we can do it um and you know so he does this he uses uh the incarnation which is why we celebrate the incarnation so much jesus becoming one of us becoming man is because it's like the beginning of the end for the for the the fall it's a, it's like the sign of like yes finally someone has come on, come to rescue us help is on the way and um been waiting for a long time etc cetera, etc cetera. so um so yeah the this old whole idea of like sinning against an infinite being we don't always try to we, it's kind of hard to grasp like why is that different than sinning against another person or you know why is it so much harder to overcome that and it's because if you think about the dignity of God to offend the dignity of God with sin it it creates a like you said a chasm or a un, unreachable thing we can't do anything to fix that ourselves yeah and you you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong but because before Jesus didn't before Jesus died and kind of paid that price everyone before when they died they went to to hell or maybe a pur- purgatory type of situation yeah more, more of a purgatory situation so they would have gone to a different hell so, so when we when we talk about um he descended to hell oftentimes people will say not the hell of the damned but just the hell of like we're separated from god because the price hasn't been paid yet so in our temporal way of thinking, yes, everybody was waiting until Jesus died and paid the debt for us. And what's that like in the non-temporal way of thinking or existing? I don't know. It's hard to hard to grasp that. But in a sense, 
Jesus' sacrifice allowed all those who had gone before him to have access now to eternal life. Um, not that they they were they weren't um, kind of damned or anything because of their sins. They lived a justified life. They lived a good life um, in union with God, but that price hadn't been paid yet. So the bridge wasn't there. They kind of like were waiting there where the bridge is going to be and be like, it'd be really nice if there was a bridge right here. <laughs> you know, we've been waiting a long time. More yeah. and more people are on this side of the bridge. Hey, God, see you over there. Be nice if you give us a bridge. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just an image, but um, yeah. So now, post-resurrection, post-passion, uh, we have this uh, the, the sense of like the bridge is there. And we just have to cross the bridge. Jesus is the bridge. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, that's just good, like, imagery because it's like simple enough. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think um, I want to get a little bit into the idea behind uh the just like Jesus being the sacrifice. Mm. And like you hear it multiple times and kind of like I said earlier, like when John the Baptist like first sees Jesus, he says like, behold the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, in kind of like, I mean, to us, we just know that because we say it at mass Mm -hmm. and we're used to it being said. But to like a Jew, that means a very specific thing. Right. For somebody who's in part of that like Jewish religion, they would understand the context Mm -hmm. and and so, like, Jesus being the sacrificial lamb and how, like, he died during Passover and kind of all that. So, uh, could you, like, kind of maybe go into that? And I know there's a lot there yeah. when he, in terms of, like, salvation history. But um, let me just, like, ex- explain a little bit of, like, the kind of the context mm-hmm. of sure. that and sure. why sacrifices would, like, appeal. Yeah. So, maybe just as a precursor to that to give it a, a little analogy and this may or may not work depending on if you know what I'm talking about, but have you ever, I forget what it's actually called, but there's this little, I don't know if it's a poem or what, but it starts with something like, who's on first? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's the, I forget the guy, the people's names who yeah. who, who, so who it, did it, but yeah. When, when I say that, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like, who is on first? What are you talking about? Like, what 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 game? What I mean, we probably know we're talking about baseball, but... Um, you know, we hear a phrase and it brings us to a situation or something that's familiar to us. Or we hear a phrase and we don't have a context and then it's like just a phrase to us or it's just a thing. Um, So it's kind of like that for the Jews versus us moderns who don't have a Jewish context. So when John says, behold the Lamb of God, we're like, yeah, okay, that's the name that Jesus has. But what the Jews hear is the Lamb of God Lambs of God's are sacrificed. They are for, you know, getting us in right relationship with, with the Lord. Like, what do you mean, Lamb of God? This person? Jesus? I mean, so it would bring up a question of like, what are you saying, John? What do you, what do you mean by that? Because um, for the Jews, their whole religion, you know, the, the religion that precedes Christianity in the sense that it's, it's kind of like the, the foundation which Christianity is built upon had this whole system of sacrifice, right? So, if you read the the um, 
Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, there's sections in there just talking about sacrifice, and this is this sacrifice for this, and this sacrifice for that, and this is what you do, and um, how you offer it, and it kind of walks you through some some of the sacrifices that they offered. Um, so it, you see, like, okay, animal sacrifice was like part of how they lived. It was part of how they related to God, and sacrificing a lamb was not just like, yeah, we we just chose a lamb because it seems like the right, it's what I got right now. Like, we could have chose a, a rabbit or a, a cow or a horse or what. No, like, God prescribes very specific things. He says very specific things. He asks for very specific days and so forth. And so there's this whole calendar and system of belief that guides their faith and guides their religion and their relationship with God. Um, specific things are to be done and said and so forth. So that's the context they're coming from. They understand all of that. So when they hear, behold the Lamb of God, or when Jesus talks about sacrifice, or when he talks about the bread of life, that would also bring up the context of the manna, right? From when they were with Moses in the desert, the bread of life kept them alive. That was um, So they have these contexts which he can speak to, he doesn't have to explain what he's talking about because they understand the context from their history, from their um, from their culture. So for us, as Catholics, again, modern times, we don't always get all those nuances. We hear these phrases or these things, and it's sort of like in empty space. It doesn't, it doesn't bring to mind all these things. So um, if you think, probably probably one of the most clear typologies would be Abraham and Isaac, right? So um, if you remember the story, Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac up on Mount Moriah. So he's to go to this place and offer a holocaust, which is a burnt offering. And Isaac, his only son. So, okay, he heads that way. So they go up there. Um, He has Isaac carry the wood for the sacrifice, the wood. Um, He carries a knife and so forth in the fire. So this idea, it, it, it's, it's pointing to what Jesus is going to do. The Jews understand it as like, this was a, a moment of testing for Abraham. Was he going to listen to God? Eventually God says, no, don't sacrifice Isaac, right? He, he clarifies. But it's a pre- precursor of what God himself is going to do on behalf of humanity. So um, when the Jewish Christians, so the disciples, the apostles, after the fact of the resurrection, when they look back at the Old Testament, they would have made all these connections that they maybe didn't make right away when Jesus was doing his public ministry. Maybe they had some indication of them. They would have, they would have understood the language he's using, but maybe what they wouldn't have understood because they hadn't seen Jesus die on the cross yet, they hadn't seen Jesus rise from the dead yet, they wouldn't have un- understood where it's all going. But what they would have understood is like, when he says lamb, they would have thought of the lamb that... Um, you know, when when uh, Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord says, "Do not, don't uh, touch your son, don't don't hurt him." And then he sees a ram who's caught in a bush, and so this idea of like, "Oh, I'm going to offer this sacrifice instead," so it's kind of atonement, and that's kind of the whole idea of animal sacrifice was. We need to atone as humans, we can't, but God gives us this way of sort of gesturing towards trying to equate our, our, our sins or try to make up for our sins. So I sacrifice something that's valuable, a lamb or a ram, 
um, or a, a wheat offering or whatever. It kind of depends on what the context is and what the sacrifice is. But there's these specific things that are offered, but they're symbolic of, like, um, if you remember the Passover, the Passover meal was to be eaten, the blood was to be put on the doors. Uh, why? To protect you from the angel of death. The angel of death went through and struck down the oldest uh, male child in the family. So to protect that child, you needed to have the blood on your doors. Um, so there's all these things symbolically that the Lamb of God points to. And we don't always get that context in our Christian mindset or our modern mindset. But um, So Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he's the Lamb of God. Yes, he's going to be sacrificed. The Last Supper is... Uh, Passover, but it's also um, a new thing. It's the Mass, so it's offering a new sacrifice. And then dying on the cross is the culmination of that sacrifice. It is finished when he says this. What is he, talk he talking about? He's not saying, oh, I'm about to die. I mean, he is, but what he's saying is the sacrifice is finished. I've, I've offered the sacrifice. I am the priest. Uh, I am the victim. The cross is my altar. So um, there's a lot of symbolic things there that come from the Old Testament that maybe we don't always understand. So I don't know if, if I'm answering the question. Yeah, that was that was that was really good. Much more like concise than I was when, when I when I first asked. I was like, man, this is gonna be a we're gonna be, we're gonna be here for another 20, 20, 30 minutes. So th <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think like that whole kind of like part of just like Jesus instituting the mass, but then also all of all of the, like the little things from the when prophecies and all that. Yeah, stuff. like there's a bunch of prophecies in there, and there's a bunch of like is it the I'm thinking like Scott Hahn has a couple like books on the Lamb Supper, the Lamb like the Lamb Supper, mm -hmm. and and maybe there's another one, or maybe that's it's in, in the Lamb Supper, but he talks about like is it like the fifth cup or the third cup or the fourth cup. The fourth cup. Yeah. See it there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but but that there's just so many little like things that I mean I guess they're not little things but but that we just miss because yeah. they're not. It might just be one sentence in like scriptures that like mm -hmm. talk about it, mm -hmm. but but how it's kind of like that who's on first thing. Yeah. One little phrase indicates a whole yeah. huge context. The Last Supper, if you don't understand what the Passover is, you kind of miss mm -hmm. what it is. And if you don't know the, like if you've done a Seder meal, you kind of have a more of a context or what, what is the Passover and so forth. But yeah, one little phrase, it is finished. All the words that he said on the cross, basically, mm -hmm. like there's a huge amount of meaning in all of them. And Yeah, and like multiple meanings, kind of like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, it, it, it is it is something that is like so so interesting so like yeah if, if if anyone out there like if you're interested in like learning more about this i mean the lamb supper is probably a really good place to start yeah, yeah. and scott hahn is a very uh like he his his writings at least are very concise and they're con they're and, accessible yeah yeah mm -hmm. and uh not, fairly easy to read yeah so. not, not super theological i mean they are theological but you don't have to be a biblical scholar to kind of make sense of what he's saying so yeah yeah so like so there's a so much like good stuff there yeah. and uh and and i think it all kind of comes back to the to the idea of like why 
Christ died and not necessarily that he had to, but that he did, mm-hmm. um, that he chose to. Right. Right. So, um, do, do you have any, any kind of closing thoughts when it comes to, um, closing thoughts. I mean, just kind of Holy Week and, yeah. uh, I, I, I probably said this last week, but I just encourage you to do your best to be a part of Holy Week. You know, attend the Triduum if you can, especially the Easter Vigil. I know we're only having it one church. Um, so, you know, it'll be, if, if everybody came, it would be full, which would be great to see. Um, but this is like the high point liturgically of of the year for us as Catholics. And so if we kind of just skip out on the Triduum and don't really pay much attention to it or be a part of it, it's not a mortal sin because these are not days of obligation, but it's kind of like saying, our team made it the Super Bowl, and then, I don't know, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. Nah, nah, you know, it's like if you're a Viking fan and they actually got to the Super Bowl and they actually won the Super Bowl, wouldn't you feel terrible if you weren't there to see it and witness it? And like, yeah. So it's kind of like that for us as Catholics. Like this is our championship game. This is our um, major event in the year. And so to just kind of say, well, I don't got time. It's like, well, make time. <laughs> it's yeah. it's uh, super important. Um, you know, if you got something you can't, be there for all of it, okay, you know, get there next year. I mean, we do it every year, but I think it's really helpful for us to, to be present to, in those um, services and, and liturgies, so. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Father Eli, and thank you, everyone, for, for listening, for joining us for this. I uh, hope you have a great Holy Week and a great Easter, and we'll catch you next week.